Amen. Remain standing just for a moment. I want to direct your attention to the book of Leviticus. And um, maybe a, a, a book that's probably rarely preached or taught from, but it's the third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen momentarily. Genesis, I'm going to go to Leviticus 16 and begin reading at verse number 16. It says, And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. He shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about and he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. I want you to notice that part. We're going to come back to it momentarily. And when he hath made an end of the reconciling of the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation, the altar, he shall bring the live goat, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let the goat go in the wilderness. For just a little while, I'm going to minister on this title and thought, Then Shall the Sanctuary Be Cleansed. Father, let the living word preach the written word. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. And as only you can, write your word upon our hearts. Open our understanding that we may comprehend Scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and every thought to be brought captive. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. Before I dive into this message and preach it to you as the Lord has preached it to me, Brooklyn, don't go too far. Come here, please, and join your dad on the platform. I want to say how publicly proud I am of my daughter, our daughter, and uh, all that she's done. She led today. She's led throughout the summer. She's helped in VBS, helped in, oh, didn't VBS, it was children's, and helped in youth and other things, and just been all around and, you know, done what she can do and is going back to college tomorrow. And we were talking recently about her calling. And she said, well, Dad, I, I, I don't know if there's anything specific. I just want to do whatever needs to be done. And uh, while I know God does have great things in store for her life, I thought, what a, what a testimony to just say, you know what? If something needs to be done, I'll do it. If this needs to be fixed, I'll fix it. If that needs to be helped, I'll help it. And I, I appreciate her passion for the kingdom and her glory and passion for God. And her worship. Didn't she do a great job today leading in worship? Amen. Hallelujah. 
And I know she likes to be embarrassed, and I know she loves this especially, and I'm going to be in trouble later, but you know what? I can deal with it. <laughs> amen. But, amen. So love you so much. Proud of you. Amen. You can go now, yes. Unless you want to preach. Okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe when she comes back, she can preach. <laughs> Amen. Well, Emery's getting a head start on her, so Emery, you know, you've already got one down, so amen. Amen. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. I'm actually taking that title from a prophecy out of the book of Daniel. I'm not going to read that verse, but Daniel is given a prophecy. It relates to the coming Messiah. It relates to the end of the 70 weeks and Jesus Christ, Calvary. It points to a, a time of, of judgment that will happen upon the earth similar to that of the days of Noah. And it's a yet-to-be-fulfilled prophecy. Um, but the, the phrase stood out to me, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now, go with me for a minute and I'll do my best to give you all of the uh, imaginative words to shape uh, what we're going to see here. And, and I know we live in a video-based generation and a computer graphic-based generation where, you know, they've got all the smoke screens and all that to make it look good. But, but bear with me for a moment and just go with me back to a time when Aaron and Moses and Miriam and Joshua and all of these would have been alive and the law would have been given and a time when the practice of this type of worship was what God set in motion so that the people could be uh, close to Him and in covenant relationship with Him. A day that is called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement is the most important day on the religious calendar of Israel. It falls on the 10th day of Tishra, which is the Hebrew month corresponding to about mid-September through mid-October, depending upon how our calendar meshes with the Jewish calendar. On that day, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, or uh, in both either the tabernacle or of the temple. On this day, it was the only day in which he could enter in. And on this day, he would atone for all the sins of Israel. The basic idea of atonement is it's a covering of sin. Its purpose is to accomplish reconciliation between man and God. God is holy. God is sinless. And there is a vast void, a, a, a great divide between God and sinful man. It is why when Adam disobeyed and Eve disobeyed, God had to act upon His Word and punish them accordingly. He did not punish them because He was hoping that He would get a chance to punish them. He did not punish them because it was something that He looked forward to doing, but rather to stay in line with His Word. It also reveals His mercy because He could have 
taken their lives and killed them. But instead, He killed an animal and put upon them coats of skin covering their nakedness and banishing them from the garden. And yet again, we see the mercy of God because He did not want them to eat of the tree of life. Because had they ate of that tree in addition to eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would have been eternally damned in their sin. And so don't look at that account as a judgment account. Look at it as a mercy account. Because had God not judged them accordingly, there would be no mercy. There would be no chance for reconciliation. And so atonement is just that. It's a covering to accomplish reconciliation between man and God. Although many different additional rites were added over the centuries, the basic description of the Day of Atonement we can find in Leviticus 16. Complex and detailed ceremonies focused on the central objective of complete atonement by sacrifice. On that day, everyone had to be present. On that day, there were no excuses. There, if, if, you're, if, if, if something weren't working right in your life and your tent, out in the, you had to be there. It was, a, it was mandatory. Uh, the children had to be there. there. There couldn't be an offer. And the reason they wanted to be there wasn't just because it was mandatory, but because they knew on this day, their sins would be put upon a scapegoat sent into the wilderness and the sanctuary would be cleansed. It was on that day that something very special would happen in Israel and of course we know would point to a greater reality later. What would happen on that day is, is first Aaron or the other high priests, whomever they were, would remove their official garments. So much like I wear a suit typically when I preach on a Sunday, they would have removed that and wore nothing more than the linen ephod. Nothing more than just a white linen uh, shirt, robe-like garment. It indicated a couple of things. It was a symbol of their repentance. It was a, that white represented that they wanted to be pure and holy before God. And so they would remove the, the robes that they wore, the, the breastplate that had the Urim and Thummim on it. They would take off all the things that they had worn and because on that day they recognized there was really only one true God and really only one true representation of God. And so they would remove all of that and put on just that linen ephod and go about the duties of the day first repenting for himself. And so if it were Aaron, he would first begin to pray and oh God, Lord of the heavens and earth, I bring to you this sacrifice. Please forgive my sin. Forgive the sin of my wife and my children. Forgive the sin of my family. He would begin to repent so that he himself could act as a representation and go throughout the rest of the day. He would next offer a bull calf as a sin offering for all the priests. And this would be done so that he could enter the Holy of Holies. And only then could he go into that place, the Holy of Holies. And what he would do is having taken some, some coals of fire from the altar sacrifice on a, on a censer and put it into the altar of incense, only then could he then also go into that place and begin to fill it with the incense 
incense of the Lord. It was only then that he could take some blood from that bullock and begin to sprinkle it upon the mercy seat. It was only then that he could go behind that veil and see the Ark of the Covenant and there in symbolic fashion sprinkling that blood. He was atoning for the sins of Israel. He would then come back out Two lots would be cast over two live goats brought in by the people. One would be chosen to be killed as a sin offering for the nation. And that blood would be spilled and they would be brought a burnt offering upon the Lord, altar for the Lord. Then that blood also was taken inside and sprinkled. And this was the moment in which the sanctuary was cleansed. Now here's what would happen. And I'm not trying to bore you with the history. I hope, I hope you're here in my spirit today. What would happen is day after day, month after month, week after week, sins would be, would be atoned for throughout the various types of sacrifices. But they would be taken and, and as if, you, if I could use this term, piled up, so to speak, in the sanctuary. And so the Day of Atonement was a day that God would say, I want my sanctuary cleansed and a clean slate started. And so they would have to go through this ritual in order to take all of those sins that had been for the last 360 days, because they have a 360 day calendar, the last 359 days, they would have to take all of those sins now and atone for them. And so that first goat that was killed would do that and cleanse the sanctuary. And when Aaron would come out, he and the priests would lay hands upon the scapegoat and thereby transferring those sins from the sanctuary to the goat who would be banished into the wilderness. Now again, we're all sitting here going, okay, what has all this got to do with us? We're in the 20th century. You know, we don't do that anymore. We're not even the law anymore. Well, first of all, God impressed upon me to share this with you. And second of all, there is so much rich typology within. Some of you are already starting to track with me and you know where this is leading. Amen. The sanctuary would be cleansed. Here's something that's interesting. After this was done, the priest would put his usual apparel back on, offer another burnt offering for himself and the people with the fat of the offering and outside the camp... Uh, then that uh, uh, goat would go, and it was a day of then rejoicing as the sins had been cleansed from the sanctuary. Here's something that's interesting. If you, as an Israelite, had made sure that your sins had been put in the sanctuary, you had lied against your neighbor, you had stole his mule, or whatever you had done, and you had atoned for it, you had brought the proper sacrifice, whether it was a turtle dove or a bull or a goat or a lamb or whatever, and you had done the proper sacrifices, your sin was then there waiting to then be placed upon that goat and and, and be a scapegoat. But if you had not atoned for your sin, and if you had decided to carry it with you and the day of atonement comes, there's no second chance. You can't suddenly say, hey, Aaron, hold on just a minute. I've got one more sacrifice before you do this. If that day came and you had not repented of your sin and you had not brought the proper sacrifice, then when the sanctuary would be cleansed and Aaron would come back out and he would place his hands upon that scapegoat, at that point, if you had not repented of your sin... 
you would be cut off from the congregation. Now that sounds like, well, that just means I couldn't go to church anymore. No. It literally means you would die in your sin. Here's what baffled me when I read that. A way of escape was made. All they had to do was deal with it before the Day of Atonement. And even though it was only rolled ahead, even though it wouldn't be taken away until Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb, the fact is, all they had to do was do it with a genuine heart before the Day of Atonement, and their sin wouldn't be held against them and they wouldn't be accountable for it. It begs the question then, why would anyone have not done what needed to be done to make sure they wouldn't die in their sins? But you know, it caused me to look deeper into the Scripture. Why would anyone not listen to what Noah was saying? If you read your Bible carefully, you'll find that Noah also had other brothers and sisters. In other words, there were family members. His sons had cousins. At least maybe one of them should have listened to what he was saying. And you might say, well, Bishop, it had never rained. You know, rain had never come out of the sky like that. It was a brand new phenomenon. It was a brand new message. Well, okay, I, I don't disagree, but when all those animals started coming on their own, not having to be herded in, God was drawn... Wouldn't that have caused some people to say, you know, um, Shannon, I, 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 babe, I know we've laughed at Noah, made fun of him, thought he's an idiot, but I ain't never seen animals do that. Uh, I'm going. You stay if you want, but I'm going. Why didn't somebody say, wait a minute, maybe, just maybe, he's right? But nobody did. And, 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 and coming back into this with the cleansing of the sanctuary... Why would there have been one person cut off from the congregation knowing that all they had to do was they could have come on the day before the Day of Atonement and said, you know what? I sinned against my neighbor. I need to get this dealt with. I know tomorrow's the Day of Atonement. I don't want to die in my sin. Please, Aaron. Please, priest. Let me make a way that I don't have to die in my sin. It was possible. And yet there were some who didn't do it. My God. In biblical times, the celebration of the Day of Atonement showed that Israel believed that the cleansing of their sins and the cleansing of the sanctuary was accomplished by these rituals. That God's forgiveness and grace would then be granted to them. And it was the basis for continued fellowship with God. And He's the one that established it, so certainly it was. And, and again, I know it points to Christ, and I'll get there. Just stay with me. This ritual then was meant to avert God's wrath for sins. Let, let me explain it this way. Let me just jump ahead for a minute because some of you are already there. You're already at Calvary with me. Calvary represents God's absolute hatred for sin. And if you can imagine one portion of His hand or, or, or His power coming 
It's just a hatred for sin. But on the other side is such a love for humanity that something had to be done. And it's at that moment when the two clash together. It's at that moment when because He knew I'll be the Lamb and that was before the foundation of the world. It was at that moment that the sacrifice was made. And so equally, this Day of Atonement was meant to show that it was an aversion of God's wrath for sins that had been committed. And it was to guarantee that after that Day of Atonement, they could have the continued presence of God with them. I don't know about you, I don't want to live a single moment without the presence of God. My worst day my ten worst, my thousand worst days living for God are better than a minute without Him. The sacrifice of the first goat and the sending away of the scapegoat was meant to cleanse the sanctuary, cleanse the priesthood, cleanse the nation of their sin. Of course, we know that on the prophesied Day of Atonement, God would ultimately cleanse the sanctuary. But we know that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it forever. Some even call the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament the Good Friday of the Old Testament. The Bible speaks of this day in the New Testament throughout many of Paul's epistles and others. Of course, the crucifixion accounts in the Gospels share it, reveal it, show its fulfillment. And in fact, the entire book of Hebrews is inseparably connected to the Day of Atonement and obviously points to the Supreme One, Jesus Christ, who, unlike the repetition of the priests who had to go in year after year, who had to perform this ceremony year after year, Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. Once and for all sin. Once and for all time. And once and for all people. Here's what's interesting. There was not one time on a day of atonement that future sins were remitted or removed from the sanctuary. But when Jesus Christ came, the sacrificial lamb, not just sins past and not just sins present, but sins future were made atonement for. It's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, not rolls ahead, the sin of the world. And just like I asked the question, why? Why would there have been one Israelite risk not getting their sins in the sanctuary and making sure they were atoned for. Why? Today is no different. Why would anyone refuse to repent and be born again and have a chance to have their sins taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ? Jeremy, thank you for preaching what you did in the first half. Thank you for teaching, preaching your heart in the heart of God. 
Listen, I don't care. I don't remember who the guy was. I don't care who says it. I don't care how popular or how much money they have. There are not ways to get to God. There's one way. I am not saying that this church has exclusive rights to it. We do not have the monopoly board of, of apostolic you know, power and authority, and, and you know, they have to come to us to get it. But we do know this. It's in the name of Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, the life. And I'm going to take God's Word over any man's Word every day. Hmm. You can imagine on that day when those Israelites would see the priest come out and put his hands upon that goat and symbolically place the sins. You can imagine what it must have felt like to them when they watched that goat being led out into the wilderness to, to be banished out there. You can imagine the sense of relief and the sense of joy that my sins are being cleansed from the sanctuary. Well, guess what? How many of you remember the first time or any time that God has forgiven you of your sins? How many of you remember what it was like to have have those sins taken away. Hallelujah. Today, the difference is this building is not the church. You and I, the born again persons, are the church. We who have been born of the water and spirit in His name are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let, let me just, some of you know the outline of the temple. Let, let me just lay it out for you. You can kind of see in the background of the picture what it was. I'll just quickly tell you. If, if over here was where you're coming into the temple, you would first come to the altar of sacrifice. This is where the bulls and the goats and all would be killed and, and, and their blood spilled out and where they would be sacrificed to the Lord. Just a little bit later, you would come to what's called a brazen laver where the priests would wash their hands. You would then go into the first holy place. It's, it's called the holies. And there you would have the table of showbread. You would have the, the menorah, the seven golden candlestick. And you would have the altar of incense. And of course, the bread, the word of God and the spirit. And, and of course, uh, you know, the prayers and all that. Then you'd go behind the veil. And, and in back here behind the veil was the Ark of the Covenant. Mercy seat set upon the top of it. And, and the cherubs, uh, uh, their wings touched and their faces were down. And it was called the throne of God. Well, watch this. Let's go backwards for a minute. He became us. God became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14 of John 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God left His throne passed through the veil. He is, of course, the, the Spirit of God. We know He's the manna come down from heaven, the bread. We know He intercedes for us. He's the altar of incense. And He passes through the holy place. We know He was baptized by John to fulfill all things so that He could be the sacrifice. But watch this. I can now come in and because of his sacrifice, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I don't want to live with them, Lord. I know I need you, Lord. And, and guess what he'll do? He'll forgive. And I can be baptized in his name. Hallelujah. And those sins washed away. And I can have that candlestick, the Spirit of God, begin to dwell in me. And the Word of God. I can begin to pray. And now I am the sanctuary. 
the place where the ark of the covenant dwells. And here, here is what burdens the heart of this pastor today. If Aaron would not have done the ritual correctly, God would have taken his life. If they would have not done it on the right day, raining doesn't matter. It had to be done. Didn't matter. If his voice was hoarse, still had to do it. You couldn't skip the day, but don't, well, we'll come back next week. Wouldn't have happened. And as I've told you, those who didn't put their sins in, they would die in their sins. If that's true, and it is, how much more should the new sanctuary, the New Testament sanctuary of the Holy Spirit be cleansed? Amen. I'm going to tell you what's burdened my heart for the last few days. I, I did not know what Jeremy was preaching. I do not talk to these guys and say, hey, tell me what you're preaching so we can preach the same thing. He briefly shared. He showed me one of the videos. He said, can I play this video? I'm sure. I like it. I didn't know what you were going to say. I didn't know what the MITs were going to say in the, in the call to preach class this morning. But every bit of it's linked together. I didn't even know what they were going to sing until Brooklyn began to tell me. But didn't even realize how it was all going to connect. But see, here... here Here's what God burdened with my heart. When we talk about sin, we classify it. Pedophilia, that's way up here. Man, it is like number one, two, it's way up here. You know, rape, incest, murder, that's all way up here. Maybe a step or two down might be robbing a bank or something. And if there's, you know, armed robbery and you kill somebody, well, then that goes back up a little bit higher too, but... And I realize we have a penal system that does the same thing. We have white-collar crimes and blue-collar crimes. And you know, and you got people that can afford fast lawyers and get off. And We classify it. But, but can I tell you how God classifies it? Sin is sin is sin. Along with pedophiles and murderers who don't repent, all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. And when we think of liars, we think of, of those people that are blatant liars, not those guys that tell one white lie every once in a while. A lie is a lie is a lie. Gossip is a lie. Uh, listen, if you can't say it to my face, what makes you think you can say it anywhere else? This is what God's been dealing with me. I want to cleanse the sanctuary. It's not this building. Trust me, our, our cleaning crew does a great job. It is sanitized. <laughs> I told uh, Brooklyn and Shannon yesterday, I said, man, Connor does such a great job cleaning the bathrooms, he could practically eat off the floor. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. It's, it's bleached, it's scrubbed, it's clean. It's like, wow, I don't even want to use the bathroom. It's like, so clean. I'm not talking about cleansing this place. This is a building. I'm talking about cleansing our hearts. 
I'm talking about letting God deal with us and say, you know, I've been having some bitterness in my heart and that's not right. I've been having some unresolved anger in my heart and that's not right. I've been gossiping about this one and that's not right. And today God is saying, I want to cleanse my sanctuary. And let me tell you why. God has brought this church to a new harvest, to, to a new revival. Hear me out for just a minute. I'm way off my notes, but I'm in the Spirit. When David brought back the ark the first time, he brought it back with 30,000 singers. He brought it back on a cart made of wood, pulled by two ox. God let that happen until it hit the threshing floor of Nashon. There was a bump. I call it a God bump. Threshing represents harvest. And what God was saying when it hit that bump and Uzzah reached out to stable it and God killed him is saying, you can either have my ark or your cart, but not both. And for three months, it went into the house of Obed-Edom. And there it was blessed in his house. And, and meanwhile, David goes back and he's like, God, what did I do wrong? I had a 30,000 voice choir. I had the best wood used. I had the best wheels made. I had the two best ox in all of Israel. God said, that's not how you carry my presence. Hear me. The way we carry his presence is still the same today. We can't carry it on an ark of, or a wood cart of man's ingenuity. We've got to carry it on the shoulders of some royal priests. This thing is going to cost you some sweat. It's going to cost you some blood and tears. I can't live off of yesteryear's anointing. I can't expect that some other former pastor or missionary or evangelist, amen, is going to spread enough that I get a little bit of it. Besides, ask my wife, I don't like somebody eating my leftovers. We'll go out to eat, Avery. And she's like, are you going to get fries? I'm like, yeah. And if you want some, get your own. I want all my fries. I'm ordering them. I know, it's a nuance. I'm working on it. Maybe I need to go to the marriage class again, right? Okay. I think she does. But, but hear me, hear me. I'm not going to hope that Pastor Danny prays enough that I get a little bit of leftover. I, I don't want to be sitting there saying, hey, Dan, are you done with those? Because I might have a couple of your little fries of anointing. I'm not going to expect my associate pastor to do some praying if I'm not willing to do some praying. I'm not going to hope that just a little bit rubs off of you onto me. Woo! Okay, I got a goosebump or two. I'm good. It don't work that way. I'm not going to build an ark that we or a wood cart that we carry this thing on. It's going to be carried the way it's supposed to be. In our hearts. And God is saying today, I want my sanctuary cleansed. Now, to all of our guests, you might be wondering, this is weird. 
Let me just say, we are. I'll just, I'll just straight up. I'm not even going to argue. We are. But can I tell you why we're weird? Because Jesus is coming back. And just like in the days of Noah, he preached and said, get on the ark. It was the only way to be saved, and it was. That's not a fairy tale. That's not a myth. That's not just a poem. That's not just good literature. It's truth. It's the Word of God. So also there's a coming day of judgment. And if you're not in the ark of safety, the salvation of the Lord, then I'm sorry. You won't be ready. And so today, I feel impressed in my spirit because I want to be right. I want to be holy. I want to be forgiven. I want to be cleansed. I'm going to lead in a prayer of repentance and I'm going to ask you to join with me. And after we've prayed, I'm going to then give an opportunity if there's someone here who you want to go and maybe there's somebody you've wronged. Maybe there's someone you've, you've thought you were joking, but it really is not a joke. You hurt them. And maybe you don't even know that there's an issue, but God may prompt it in your spirit and say, yeah, there's something you need to go. Go to that brother. Go to that sister. We're going to do that. And here's why. Because after we're done, we're going to take communion. And I want to take it today cleansed. I want to do what Scripture says and examine myself. And so trust me, the last few days I've been doing this because I, I know what I've... God laid this on my heart over a week ago. So I know what I was going to be preaching. But I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if, if you've never prayed a prayer of repentance, just kind of hear what I'm saying and repeat a little bit of that. If, if you know how to pray a repentance, go ahead and do it. But everybody, would you join me right now? You can turn around and kneel if you want. You can stay seated if you want. But we're going to pray and repent. And I'm just going to pray Psalm 51 and ask the media team to put it up. You can kind of use this as a guideline. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you, O God, desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure, undesigned. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. I believe they're going to sing, I'm forgiven. And when they do, I'm asking, if there is anyone that needs to go to someone. Now is the time. I'm not going to prophesy, judge with it. If you don't do it today, you're forever damned. But I am going to ask the question, why would you wait? If you feel, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. Why? What if, what if this is the last time you're together? I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to use fear tactics. What I'm trying to say is, I and you are not promised tomorrow. I want God to cleanse me today. If for some reason this is the last time I stand in this pulpit, I want to be cleansed. I want to be right. I don't want to have caused anybody hurt, done anything against anyone so while they sing I'm asking you please it and if you don't need to then fine let them sing a little bit after that we're gonna do communion but now is the time if there's someone that's not here you know that there's a situation you need to deal with here's what I'm gonna ask you to do I'm asking you to pray for that person, for that situation. And before this day is done, call them, text them, get on the phone with them and, and, and reconcile it. God's about to do some great things that, that is going to blow you. I'm telling you, if you could see into the Holy Ghost right now, what God has shown me for our church and the prophecies that have gone forth and the confirmations, it'll blow your mind. And I'm not just saying that as some flippant, you know, fake prophecy. I feel that God has brought us to a season of harvest. And just before we move into it, just like David, when he went back the second time, he didn't have a cart. He had priests. He brought the ark in the right way. By the way, just like Aaron, he was girded in nothing but a linen ephod dancing before the Lord with all his might, sacrificing bullocks and ox every six paces to say, God, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. And that's the kind of revival God's bringing us to, the victory that he's bringing us to. And it's not some distant 10 year from now. I'm talking in the next hour or two, week or two. And so God is saying, I'm getting ready to do that. I want to cleanse my sanctuary first. And you're his sanctuary. 
So let's worship. Let's pray. They're going to sing this a couple times through. Go ahead, praise team. And as they do, let's deal with anything that's in our hearts. Let's go to anybody we need to go to and make sure things are cleansed between us.